1: So let's talk about this, because um, you do have your uh, Polish background. So you you grew up in Poland, and then you came over to L.A. I guess for the music and the acting. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, it's correct. I mean, it yeah, it, it sounds fast when you say it like this, because there were so many steps between Poznan, my hometown, and L.A. But yeah, in an essence, that's that's basically it. I'm, I'm a Polish. I'm a Polish-born Angelino.
1: Okay, so explain that, because you mentioned, it's very interesting. I want to know all about those steps that brought you over, because, you know, you're on a whole different side of the world here. So explain it.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, just to make it just to make it palatably short, you know, I grew up in Poland of the um, 80s, basically, which was the end of the kind of communist Russian regime, so with all socialist countries still, kind of, you know, gray, and uh, it wasn't exactly... Um, full of exciting career opportunities at that point. I mean, when I say it was great, it was kind of grim when it came to just what you could get to do in life and how colorful it was going to be from that standpoint at that time. But it was actually kind of a great place to grow up. So, you know, when you don't have much, materially speaking, you can turn to intellectual and kind of fun stimulating things. So in Poland those days, it was all about three things. It was family, church and culture. It was incredibly stimulating. We grew up on theater, on opera, on movies. There was this huge, amazing network of film clubs in Poland. They were actually called discussion film clubs. And what it was is because you couldn't uh, on popular screens get most of the movies that were being shown in the world because of you know the system screening everything and cutting everything out. Basically, there was this way to get around it with these film clubs. My dad was one of the um, of the directors of that network of film clubs, which which was hugely helpful because it let me get into them before I really came of age and I could. So from the age of something like 12 on, we would catch these fantastic screenings of movies that were everything from, you know, the French New Ways to Pier Paolo Pasolini, Fellini, the great Polish filmmakers, American English, anything that was edgy and relevant and exciting was being shown. And it was such a fantastic window into the world, you know, got you out of where you were and just kind of plugged into everything that, you know, could be stimulating to somebody growing up at that time. But I think what it also did is it it kind of imbued this sense of wonder and what I wanted my life to be. That wasn't necessarily informed by what was around me, but what I saw on the screen and what I imagined from theater. And, you know, I got into music in a big way. There wasn't much available on the radio. That wasn't government sanctioned. So, you know, with all the music I was getting from, you know, elsewhere, and it just kind of made me want to live life out loud as a huge adventure that was, governed by creativity and things I wanted to do and not was told to do, you know, I'm kind of, I have this um, inborn disdain for authority and rules and I just wanted to, yeah, do my own thing. And that propelled me to go, you know, at the age of like 17, I was like, what am I gonna do with myself? I really want to just be out there in the world. And at the time you couldn't even travel. Yeah, I, I read somewhere in a paper, with my mom we were flipping through the newspaper and it said, you know, there's a beauty contest somewhere in town. Uh, and there was going to be a French uh, modeling scout present. And one of the, uh, you know, awards, the contest was to you know, go away to Paris or whatever. And I had no interest in fashion or modeling whatsoever. And, you know, was like a <laughs> 17-year-old rebel who was into intellectual things and, and uh, alternative cinema. But I was like, ah, a trip to Paris sounds kind of good. It would, you know, it would be kind of fun. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. And I I won the contest, and, like, over, like, a period of two weeks, I was transported to Paris, where I was faced with a whole other reality. And it was an incredibly fast way to grow up, but also, you know, hugely productive, a huge eye-opener, and it taught me very early on to take care of myself. And, um, you know, what's important, but also kind of get yourself out there and, and learn how to live.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so at 17, you won this beauty contest, and it, it brought you to Paris. So, draw me the connection then from Paris to making it into the L.A. into the states.
0: First phase of it was just a giant shocker because it was we're talking Paris, the the late 80s, so the apogee of like you know this was uh, disco days and you know and drugs and rock and roll and whatever. It was for a totally sheltered girl from. Poznan, who was, you know, raises this family around and all that. It was, it was quite a, quite a big shocker, but it also quickly taught me to just kind of go, okay, well, uh, we need to reevaluate here and figure mm-hmm. out how to survive this thing without, you know, without being killed in the fields in the meantime. And like I said, I was not really um, uh, somebody fascinated by fashion or, or modeling. In fact, I knew nothing of it. You know, with my first experience with, Being alone, no family, I didn't really have any means to support myself other than just plunge myself into work and try to get some employment. So getting over there was one thing, but getting hired was another. And I mean, kind of very, very long story short, after a a few months there, you know, a bunch of, you know, issues you're dealing with, you feel lonely, you feel self-doubt, it's just, you know, it gets so tough. But I made it work, and I I started getting hired. My first big break was Claude Montana, who at the time was the biggest Paris designer. He won year after year, you know, number one uh, couture designer in, in France. So it was really great. And then it just kind of started happening. So I, I, you know, within a year, I was kind of walking like the biggest runways in Paris from, you know, Claude Montana to Chanel, Valentino, Guilaroche, whatever, you know, just the whole thing. And it was really quite wonderful getting into that world. And I appreciated it hugely for, you know, the chances it awarded me. But in my head this whole time, you know, I had other things. So music and movies always governed what i wanted to do in life and always made my heart skip a beat it was not fashion so yeah. as much as it kind of let me travel the world because it's you know after i got established in paris i also worked in holland england you know germany just kind of all over and i was like i'm ready for the next step after about i don't know three four years I was like this this you know I sh- it should be something else out there and and um I got hired on a job out of New York, Uh, it was a a big commercial, beer commercial, that shot in Dallas. So actually Dallas, Texas was the first place where I touched down in the States. And it was kind of like my first step getting closer to where I wanted to be because for some reason in my head I had that LA would be the place for me, it would feel like home. I don't know Mm -hmm. why, it just was, you know, something by osmosis and all those hours spent in the dark movie theater, I guess. But in any case, yes, I'll, I'll cut this story very, very, very short. Dallas, New York, worked there for, you know, year two, three. Did all those runways and commercials and prints. you know, Donna Karen, Jill Sander, did Oscar de la Renta in New York a lot, Calvin Klein, all that. And then um, I finally started getting hired for a bunch of, um, I think I went with Oscar de la Renta for the first time to... LA to do a fashion show for him or something like that and uh, that brought me to to LA and I started making trips to LA basically to just kind of you know get in that LA frame of mind without having to make the giant move yet because every place you go I mean you know it's one thing if you're making it once but when you move a whole bunch of times you have to kind of re- position yourself, re-get to know a whole other set of circumstances in the town, remake your friends, as were, you know, a makeshift family. So it just kind of, it's it's always a big traumatizing thing. And at that point, I'd done it so much. But L.A. was kind of like I thought. I arrived and, I mean, I think the city has this sort of magic within it that whoever you are, you can feel right at home. It's, you know, those those sunny hills beckon and and, uh, wherever you are, you're only about, 30 minutes at most from the beach. And I got there and I was like, okay, this feels like, oh, my my tired soul can, can you know, rest. So, yeah, LA is it.
1: No, no, I agree. I, I like how you kind of transitioned it. You gave us the whole story of that. So, it's basically like fashion kind of got your foot in the door, per se, but it also led you exactly. to, you know, getting into your acting and your music, but you always had that passion. It was just that this was your kind of path to get there. Yeah, um, I always
0: had the passion. I mean, for acting, you know, I started um, back in theater, which is very strenuous. And in Poland, Poland, we take our theater very seriously. So I would take classes. I would do amateur theater. I would fill in, if anybody ever needed a young performer at, you know, big theaters. And <laughs> in Poland, I, you know, all the Grotowski methods, Stanislavski, Hag, and we studied it all. We did it all. So... It was really deep within me, but I hadn't exercised it through all the years that I did modeling, you know, so I was dying to do it when I finally got to um, to
1: L.A. You've done quite well. I'm just looking at a few of the things here, just scrolling through your accomplishments. I mean, you were in Aquaman, you had Annabelle Comes Home, which I believe, even when I was following you on Twitter, you were interviewed about that as well. So describe to me these roles, like how did you land them and what did you think of the movies in general that you were cast in?
0: Well, I mean, I will say this, I don't just do acting, I do a whole plethora of things that basically keeps my soul and keeps me excited and interested. So I mean, acting, as you know, or may not know, it is a a really tough, you know, piece of bread, as they say in Poland, because um, it is a lot of work that you do before and after you get a part, if you're lucky enough to actually get a part. So, first uh, movie I was ever in my screen debut, as it were, was in the wedding plan. I have a great scene with Jennifer Lopez where I play a uh, a bride that applied too much self tanner. So, that was a great way to enter into the movies. It was entertaining. It was fun. It was great. It was great working with Jennifer. And it was like a, a great first glimpse into it. But, I mean, I do all kinds of really fabulous, fun parts, and I've had a chance to kind of watch this business from the best perspective. So I've, you know, I've worked on tiny independent projects and I still do. I always do that. But I've also had a chance to work on really big films with big budgets where you get to see the magic of filmmaking in full throttle. So like, you know, watching Aquaman happen in front of my very eyes or Annabelle comes home, for instance, you know, it's, you get, yeah, you get to see incredible acting all around you and incredible directing. So, Aquaman is, you know, James Wan directed my one of my all-time heroes and a real-life superhero. Incredible, mm-hmm. incredible director, uh, creative, visionary, just an, an unbelievable guy. But you also get to watch this whole group of craftsmen who come onto the set and transform it every day. You know, and it comes, comes. I mean, it it comes in all shapes and sizes. You've got amazing people who do wardrobe, first of all, and design your look, and then you have everybody who builds the set and then transforms it within a few hours sometimes. You get to see the incredible special effects, the incredible visual effects teams doing their magic. It's like, I mean, like nothing else in the world. And talk about your childhood dreams coming true. You know, when you just kind of look around you and you go, I am in the middle of this unbelievable storm of creativity done the best it can be done these people are the best in their fields in the world so yeah acting affords me all those opportunities to really watch it from every direction but it also makes you want to be creative in every possible way it you know so i mean i also produce films you know we've done a few within the saffron company that were kind of small independent ones that i've really loved doing It like is we did mine with Army Hammer, and we did the Atticus Institute, which is a great horror. So, you know, I'm developing a script right now about a, uh, an American kind of blues legend, uh, which is terribly exciting. So I kind of, I work everything all the time because just acting probably wouldn't be enough. And wouldn't fill up enough of my time, and I am just a person who likes to be busy and fascinated all the time. I'm like a kid at heart, so (laughs) I just keep firing up on all the engines. And when I'm not acting, you know, we do music, so there's just always a lot going on.
1: Yeah, I I can definitely tell by the way that when you're you're giving me these answers, it's very coming across your your passion for the acting and your passion for you know uh, wanting to keep busy, which you know is I applaud that because you know you want to keep yourself busy. You don't want to be. Some people like to sit around do. Nothing, which sometimes I like to do, but if you like to be busy, it sounds like that's what you're into. And especially when you're able to act and then, you know, keep it within the the field itself. Like, to make your own films, be a part of these independent projects is something that I think is really cool.
0: It's amazing. Yeah, you really get to then just kind of be the boss of it, and there's not too many people... (laughs) Telling you what to do, so you're kind of more in control of, of the shape it's going to be in at the end. It's, it's kind of cool.
1: Now, the other thing that you mentioned, which I want to get into as well, is that uh, you write music. So you know you're you're like a triple threat: acting, directing, <laughs> and with music. With uh, I believe your brother Mike.
0: Yeah, my brother Mick. That's right.
1: Or, or Mick, sorry. Um, and that is the band is called the Forevers, correct?
0: Yeah, I mean, we used to put music out under Natalia Saffron, but we we changed it just recently and and um we changed it to the forevers because it just felt cooler to have it be a project that has a name instead of just going under my name yeah so it is the forevers now yeah
1: no no no, i agree because like what i i kind of make the joke of it with i'm a big fan of country music so yeah. like there's the Eli Young band, there's James Barker's band and I'm like I'm like okay there's like four of you though. Like so I get it that you named that it after
0: like, I I agree. I'm with you on that. I yeah. kind of like when it feels like a collective that's pitching in together, you know, the Pearl Jam. Come on, let's go. It,
1: exactly, exactly. So like that's why I can't really I, I can't really throw too much shade because here i am hosting a podcast called tobin tonight wow right so i mean
0: you're 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 the guy behind the mic so that's we'll catch you we'll cut you some slack
1: thank you thank you (laughs) so i wanted to talk about this because i thought this was really really cool is that the song all i feel is you was it's actually this you're the second polish artist to have a billboard charting hit like do you know that or is that something that you kind of praise
0: You know what? I didn't know this until somebody just told me pretty recently, and I was quite excited about that. That sounds great. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, so I'll give you a little bit of insight, too, because we had, um, again, I don't know if you would know these people, but we had Emma Watkins on from The Wiggles. Now they're...
0: I listened to that podcast, <laughs> and I was checking you out. That's a, a very good podcast, too.
1: And, like, you know, she talks about when, uh, in the later part of the episode, I believe she's talking about when she grew up listening to bands like Bewitched and BB Mac and all these, and they're like, you know, UK acts, and I knew them, but then she was talking about how certain people in Canada didn't know them, and I'm thinking, okay, so, you know, even the lesser known acts that you think are one hit wonders in Canada, the US, I still, I still know about but when I seen that it's the second Polish artist to have a billboard charting hit I was thinking to myself, nah, no, there has to be more Polish artists but, and I'm not taking that away from you, I just thought like that has to be like you know, if you go into your room or if anyone ever meets you, that has to be something that you shake their hand and go, second Polish artist, to have a billboard charting hit. And they're like, what? You? And like, I like and then,
0: that. Thank you. <laughs> I think I might start touting that
1: around town. Exactly. That's how you should. And then people would be like, oh, OK. Like, I, I, I see this. Like, you know, then they'll, they'll go home, Google you, find out a lot more and then. You'll oh, be you'll be you know what, getting interviews. Cool. You'll be getting interviews with Rick D and Jimmy Fallon.
0: You've got something there. I like the way you think. I've got to wrap my head around it. I just kind of let it go, and I never thought about it again.
1: Well, that, that's how I. So like, thanks
0: for making me think about it.
1: Absolutely, because that's how I would think about. it. Like if I was a podcast, and they said that I was the second most downloaded podcast in Canada, I'm not going out on the streets going. Hi, I'm Tobin from Tobin Tonight. They'll be like, "Who, who's that?" Now, if I said second most downloaded Canadian podcast, it, you know, give it time, they might say, "Oh, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to check it out now and find out uh, more yeah, information." But that
0: sounds good. Yeah, exactly, right.
1: exactly. Well, so, you,
0: you, by the way, you've got a nice Twitter feed. When I was when I was you know reading about <laughs> you, I went on your Twitter and I was like, "That's very nice," particularly your repost of the. Chris Hayes, you know, clip. I was like, okay, this this guy's my people.
1: Let's do it. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I, you know, that's the one thing I find about Twitter too. You got to be careful. So I, I kind of try to keep the podcast away from that stuff. But on my own personal mm. one, I feel like, and it, and it's something that I think, especially in today's world, that people can't differentiate or make the the difference between your personal and professional. Like for example, if you have um, yourself. If you went on the Forevers and you kept on posting stuff on Twitter about your album, the band, and then if you make one tweet about something that you're up against, some fans will be like, well, now I'm not following you. Like, I'm done. Right. But in hindsight, you should be looking and saying, like, it's okay to have another opinion, but do you still like our music? Okay, well, that's cool like you can do that
0: you're going to be purposeful about what you put out there but I guess you know those are the trappings of the modern age and uh, social media and such but it gives us this great avenue in which to reach people so it's all right, right?
1: when you're talking about music and writing it with your brother and of course like I mentioned the second published artist to have a billboard charting hit explain all that to me like how did how did that all come to be
0: music was first in my heart that was always a thing so I remember being 13 specifically Um, in poland in some big crowded room and across the room i spotted a tv and it had bruce springsteen doing um born in the usa uh mm. you know on it it was like a clip from his concert or whatever and i've never heard of him i've never seen him before it just stopped me in my tracks cold I was like what is this person what is he doing <laughs> wow what delivery and, you know, I started pursuing his music and, and finding out more about who he was, what it was. You know, read the lyrics to Born in the USA, and I was like, well, this guy is a poet. He's unbelievable. And I wanted to just to feel this, this kind of passion and, you know, this conviction. And it got me into music in a big way that I don't know I would have gotten otherwise. So I definitely have Bruce to credit for, well, a lot of things. But But my love of music, I think he was the first one to just kind of get me completely shocked into it. There was always music in my house, but it was more classical music, you know, it was quite different. And like I said, on the Polish radio, and it, it, there was no availability of really cool, good music out there. It was just kind of, you know, Polish pop, which some of it was great, but music that came from the world, it was not much. So got me listening, really got me into it and it was my passion it was what got me through the days when i wasn't in the movie theater watching those crazy great movies i was listening to the music and it was everything to me you know but to take from that, to go from that to making music there's a long way and some people never make it so i mean i think i just i have make the credit for that giant leap because i was making up songs in my head and I was singing always and all that kind of stuff and you know I studied opera singing so I've done that for a while and it was always somehow in my life but it wasn't ever a plan of well I'm going to make music for living. It just honestly never occurred to me that something you love so much could be the thing you would do as a profession as a job. So it wasn't until I was Nick was working with somebody in Poland with, with like a great guitar legend and that I loved, and he happened to work with this guy and he was like hey we should rec- put some songs down and record it you know with this guy because you know we've always loved him and he's got such an incredible way of playing guitar so we recorded a couple of songs it was kind of going slowly and you know it was nice but whatever and then it wasn't until we sat down together with Mick and started working on one of those songs we were supposed to do or whatever and it turned out that when it came to my singing his playing and mm-hmm. us brainstorming a melody together it was nothing more natural in the world and it just came pouring out of us and that's how it became a career path basically nick was like we should be doing this you should be doing this and I was like really one can one can really do this for a living have this much fun is that legal You know we started doing without a bigger plan we just kind of were putting songs together and then it was mixed wild idea to put um to open up a profile on this crowdfunding site called celiband which became big particularly in europe way before gofundme or whatever it was it was the big one and i was skeptical because i thought well opening a profile with a bunch of you know strangers from around the world you know what's that going to accomplish but i was really wrong we got all these incredible people to listen to our music and just fans, just people from around the world, a lot of them from Europe going, we love your music. We want to put in $10, $100, $500, whatever it was, into the fund. And that's, you know, what Taliban did, it crowdfunded, to get your first album made so that we can get our hands on it, we believe. And it was an incredible jolt of confidence for us. And also to have this daily fan feedback from people who would, Check in on your profile, hear the new songs you were putting up, and then pitch in what they wanted to pledge for this album. And uh, from we rose to number one among over 10,000 artists in record time. And within just a few weeks I mean, it was something like, I don't know, a couple of months, three months, whatever we gathered the, the funds to record our first album. It was 50K, so it was no small peanuts. And it was just amazing and we were able to go in a studio and just really you know work with people we wanted to and put this album together called high noon it was just an amazing adventure experience and our first giant foray you know into making music professionally and basically we never looked back so yeah it's been it's been been a phenomenal ride
1: you mentioned all about your music. You mentioned all about your uh, acting as well. Who are some of the biggest musicians and actors that you like today, or would like to work with?
0: Hmm. Oh my God! Just opening a Pandora's box. I am never, I am never satisfied, and I always <laughs> want to work with all these other people. I have such a giant list of them. I mean, I grew up adoring Bruce Springsteen, like I mentioned, and Seattle grunge was my thing. So Eddie Vedder, Bruce Springsteen willie nelson are my all-time heroes uh to do anything with them would be just a dream beyond dreams right that's gonna do it for this episode of tobin tonight our thanks to natalie safran for coming on the show remember you can find past present and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, spotify and itunes follow us on twitter like us on facebook and leave a comment or two For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thanks for listening and good night.
1: I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer.